Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast. And I'm Matthew White, and with me as always is Michael Roberts, the General Manager of Clever Choice Flooring. How are you, mate? Mate, I've come back to work for a holiday, I can tell you. Yeah, you've had a rough trot? Yeah, a rough um, eight days Mm. um, out on the farm, as we've uh, discussed in previous podcasts. Um, Finally, it's been, I guess, cool enough, if you call that um, 30-degree Queensland weather, Mm. uh, to put up our shed. Wow. Yeah, wow is the word. Um, When I got told it was about a six- to eight-day process, I just... I thought I was being pulled pulled another one, mm. to be honest with you. Looking at it and thinking a day to put up a frame, a couple of days to sheet it, you know, I'll be sitting back. Um, well, it would be your expertise in, in shed building that would give you the knowledge to know that, right? Expertise? Yes. Um, we'll put it this way. This is my first shed, <laughs> but being working with wood and now working with metal, they are two completely different things, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, the worst you get with wood is a couple of splinters. Um, with the shed, I don't know if you know, people out there can't see my body, but my arms and hands are sliced to pieces. Mm. I have uh, fragments of uh, metals I'm still pulling out of my arms from using the grinders. Mm. and uh, But yeah, eight days, shed's finally up. And um, my wife came out the other day and said, oh my God, I thought you were not going to get that done. <laughs> So even she actually cried yesterday and said that she was really proud. And I thought, I don't know if I take that good or bad. Did you christen it with the bottle of champagne or were you scared you're going to knock it over? No, no. We knocked it over <laughs> on the first day. So we did have to uh, redesign. Um, but no, it's uh, it's definitely been christened and I can now um, come back to work and enjoy... Um, just using my fingers instead of the yeah. rest of my you, body. You can now start to fill the shed with all the crap that you've got. Yes, yeah. exactly. Amazing, amazing. And we have a very special guest with us today, Fiona Vishneski. Did I get that right? You did. Oh, Perfect. wow. We only practiced it 17 times. Uh, CEO of FCIA, Floor Covering Institute of Australia. You've made the trip up from Melbourne. Thank you. I have. No, thank you. Yeah, and uh, so tell us a little bit at FCIA about where – you sit in the industry, and we're going to talk a little bit about the flooring industry as a whole, uh, but who is FCIA? Uh, FCIA is the in- is an industry body that was formed roughly around, actually is six years ago, six years ago this February, um, and it was really created to encompass the whole of the industry, so not focus on any particular stream, but be there for the whole industry. And the people that came together on that particular group saw the problems that I guess this industry was facing and they, um, it is absolutely made up of um, manufacturers, suppliers and retailers and commercial contractors. So everyone has a particular problem within the industry and um, with the board that we've got, hopefully that is to try and resolve some of these problems. Okay, and so we've interviewed quite a few people on the podcast, I think this is our 15th or 16th episode, so we've had 16 guests. Some of them have been amazing. Yep. Uh, some of them have been terrible. Greg Harvey. Um, but they all bring a unique set of experience to the industry. Now, you're from South Africa. I am, yes. Right? 
how long have you been in Australia? Goodness. Um, I came here when I was almost 12, so a very, Okay, very so a long very time. long time. Okay, <laughs> so do you bring to FCIA previous experience in the flooring industry or are you new? I'm new. So yeah. I am, in my previous role, I actually, my whole focus has been on training. So my generally my whole working career has been a train in the training space, whether it's been in conferences or seminars or general training and then um, I moved into accredited training a number of years ago and um, flooring was thrown at me um, at my previous position and I literally mean thrown at me and I um, assumed it would be like the other apprenticeships that I was dealing with very structured very organized everyone do what they're supposed to do um, and flooring's not like that yeah so my introduction to flooring was probably about five years ago and not long after FCA was formed and um, again, like everyone else, I went flooring. It's an actual trade, really. And um, then I got to know about the industry and its challenges and the probably the challenges that I went through with it. Um, but it is an industry that I've grown to love. But I'm not from flooring. Yeah. I, am, I bring with me, I guess, my training and my membership. I used to work for a membership organisation for 19 years, so I bring those two elements with this and uh, hopefully a fresh set of eyes and a, and a fresh input well i think that's probably the most important thing that you bring because a lot of the a lot of the people that we talk to they bleed flooring yes. right they've been in the industry forever like some of them are third and fourth generation flooring people and and whilst that is amazing i think sometimes it's a bit forest for the trees as well that yeah. they can't I can't actually see, so we need that fresh set of eyes in the industry that can go, well, hang on, that's great, but what about this? And I think there's not enough of that happening. Well, hopefully that is something that I bring. Um, I do, I guess training has always been my, my first love, and I love the idea of apprenticeships and traineeships. I started my career many, many years ago as a trainee, um, and I think that is an amazing way to start for a lot of people, um, and hopefully... Um, you know, we can educate the flooring industry that apprentices are brilliant um, and they can bring this industry so much that um, they've just got to get behind it and support it. Okay. So how did – you said it was – that the flooring issue was thrown at you in your previous job. Yeah. So how did you get to FCIA? <laughs> the irony of my life sometimes. Um, so I worked for an organisation for 19 years. In a variety of different roles, generally always within training though, training and conferences and seminars, and I loved it. Flooring um, had probably tested that, and I and I say tested it purely because the apprenticeships that I was dealing with were mechanical and fabrication. They were they licensed trades. They're also, um, I guess, trades that everyone knows what how an apprenticeship operates. Um, in flooring, it's a little bit um, different. Not everyone knows apprenticeships. Not everyone sees the value in apprenticeships. Um, and so I, that was that was given to me, um, and we ran with it, and I learned a lot along the way with flooring. Um, and then I, just as COVID hit, literally, I had had enough, and I left that job, just walked out, and had a month of what I, I you know I call quiet time where I got my my head together, and then I was offered a role to contract to FCIA. Um, and that's really where it started. Uh, okay, so... And that was through my connection, obviously, 
I had worked with FCIO in the past, so they were the one that came to us when I was in my previous organisation to say, here's a you know a group of apprentices that, that need on-the-job training. It, it benefits them. Um, could you do it? And, and that's how it started, really. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and because uh, we, we talk at length, um, Michael's going to talk in a minute. Eventually he'll <laughs> pipe up. You know, he's still on holiday mode, it would seem. Um, but we do talk at length about apprentices. Yes. Yeah. Right, we really do, and and I know it's a really uh, passionate discussion for Michael. Uh, obviously, as a supplier, mm-hmm. um, there's no point having all this stock in the warehouse if there's no one to lay the floors, right? And you're only, I think, I think we would agree that you're only as good as your installers, right? So, yeah, it doesn't matter how good your product is if it's installed poorly, then it's going to reflect on the supplier, not so much on the installer, right? They're going to blame the, the the product. So, what are some of the uh, I guess some of the things you're doing to like make the flooring industry a a viable option for apprentices because it's it's bringing people and quality people into the trade that seems to be the hardest thing. It is, and you know, most people and me included when I was thrown flooring did not know it was a trade and that it was a very lucrative trade. And, and as much as I despise saying that it's a it's a lucrative trade, it is. And unfortunately, or fortunately, the the kids. These days, that's what they look at when they want a job, something that's going to give them money. Money. And flooring does do that. Um, the, I guess the problem is whether you're a good or a bad installer, you can still earn good money until people realise that you're not a, a qualified, or not necessarily qualified, but a good installer. And and therein lies the problem. Getting into the schools, getting into um, the young people is difficult. Um, we want as many apprentices as possible. We are lacking in just people coming through apprenticeships and flooring is unfortunately the bottom of the rung for everything. So, you know, if you've got electrical and plumbing that are that are struggling, then flooring is way underneath that. Yeah. So getting people to see the value in it, people often look at it and go, oh, it's very hard. Um, you know, you're always on your knees, you're always carrying stuff. And, and I guess my argument to that is it doesn't matter which job you do, there's an element of difficultness in it. So whether you're a plumber, that's difficult. You're digging trenches or you're, you know, fixing toilets. Well, if someone said to me, do you want to plumb other people's poo or do you want to just <laughs> lay someone's floor? I'd be like, oh, give me the floor. <clears throat> well, definitely not build sheds, I can tell you, because <laughs> that's hard work. Well, then that's the other thing. You know, you're out in the heat. So yeah. I guess flooring is a, is, is a great option because you are... Indoors. Um, you're indoors. So if it's freezing... Not that it's freezing cold up here, but if it's yeah. ever freezing cold, um, you've generally got the heater on because you need to. Yeah. If you're, if it's really hot, you've got the aircon on because you need to. So it is, yes, you're on your knees, but if you're doing that correctly and you're wearing your knee pads and doing all the right things, then it is no more stressful on your body than I suppose digging trenches or you know climbing up a roof yeah. and, and anything like that. So it's trying to get people to see the value in, a, in, in an apprenticeship, and I think that's across the board regardless of which trade it's in. So... My kids, um, both my boys, went through AITC, which is Australian Institute Trade College, uh, up here at Rabina. And um, over the last six years, I've had um, a lot of discussions with the school there um, about the different trades. And you're right, you know, sparkies, plumbers, um, chippies. You know, they're probably the top three that everyone um, hovers towards. Yep. And I think that's a lot about awareness um, because even when I spoke to a couple of the teachers um, about flooring, because um, obviously I am passionate about um, our flooring trade, it's the business that I'm in and I see it as a very important part 
if not equally as important as the supply, is the installation. Absolutely. Um, but there is a massive gap between, I guess, all your suppliers, mm-hmm. your retailers and your installers. Um, and even the AITC, uh, a lot of the trainers and all that didn't even know what the actual trade was for flooring. No. Um, there was not one that could just quote the trade. Um, and that was actually pretty disheartening for me um, to actually have that conversation and then go, flooring, is it a trade? Yep. So this is an actual trade college that doesn't even recognise um, that flooring is a trade. And it wouldn't be alone either. So how what, what's the FCA doing um, to bring more awareness to organisations like this who are the ones out there promoting trades um, to uh to obviously our school leavers or to kids um, in getting that awareness and getting flooring as, you know, up in that sort of top-tier top category, yeah. Well, we are. So what I've started to do is go out to trade, show, trade shows, career expos rather, um, get in contact with the career network teachers um, because they are key to to trying to educate the, the young people that this is a viable option. It's an amazing trade to get into. Um, but all of that is, is difficult again, I think, because no one sees it as a trade because in everyone's mind, anyone can just throw down a floor. Mm. And we all know that that is not the case. There's an amount of work and knowledge that should be um, put into to laying any particular floor. So, you know, and, and my focus point has been probably New South Wales more so because that's where my students are located at the moment. Yep. Um, and now Tassie and the ACT. Um, and... Trying to get into, I don't know, um, we've got people here trying to get into some of the trade, the career expos here to say this is a great trade. It's a certificate three level trade. It's a four year apprenticeship. It's it's no different to many other apprenticeships. Yep. Um, and it is it can give you an amazing set of career pathways. You know, you're not just locked into being a particular person. You can go on and do a variety of different different trades as you get as you get older. And if you plan your your career, which I know at you know eighteen most people don't do, but if you actually plan your career, you can get off the tools at a particular age. You can run your own business. You can go into supplying. You, there's so many different um, things you can do in this trade, um, which is fantastic. And that's one thing I guess we've spoken about um, previously is kids going through a trade. It's not just the skills of learning that trade, as such as you know being a plumber or plumbing, um, or being an electrician as electrical. It actually sets them up, like you said, for life on how to actually run a business. It does. And I think that's what a lot of, um, you know, I see within the floor laying industry, the fact that a lot of them are, they haven't gone through that trade. So yes, they can lay a floor, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them can't problem solve. Um, A lot of them aren't running businesses successfully. Um, Yes, they're laying floors and most of them mediocre. Yeah, absolutely. At at the best um, from what I see. Um, but I think that's also the advantage for people to know that going through and doing that trade, not just have prior learning, it sets you up for life. It does. And the qualification, <coughs> excuse me, the qualification that, which is Certificate 3 in Flooring Technology, actually does have, especially in the new qual that has been released, an element on if you want to go out and be a contractor. So it does give you an idea on how to run your business. There are some units of competency from the small business qualification. <laughs> so it... It is trying to help people that if you are going to be a contractor, and again, not everyone should be a contractor either. Yeah. Um, some people should be on wages. Some people are better off working for an employer. But if you do decide to go out and be a contractor, there are these 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 units that you can actually do to help you with that process um, and become 
you know, a good business move. Yeah. Or just call them out. So with um, floor laying, mm-hmm. um, we one obviously trying to create more awareness, yep. um, and then two is I guess the installers that are already in the industry. How challenging is it uh, to get those installers to then sign up to be qualified? Because that's also a big step. Like you said, you know, it's actually a big money industry. Uh, the installers can earn good dollars, um, but getting them to that trade qualification is also another part of it. Um, it because a lot of those guys, if they don't see the value in having the trade, then they're not going to attract apprentices and tradies under them. They're just going to keep attracting more labourers. So we've got this vicious circle where we've just currently got probably not, I don't know if the figures are right, I'm just pulling this out of the air, but I would say at least 90% of our industry, which are just labourers. And I would say you're, you're close to, to being correct in that. So, you know, the, the and I will clarify by saying just because you are not qualified does not mean you're not a good installer. Yep. That, that you know, there, there are great installers that are not qualified and there are great installers, uh, sorry, not so good quali- uh, installers that are not qualified. But the point is there has to be, a, 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 I guess, a line in the sand that says we have to do something. Getting a licence, which I would love this to be a licensed trade, yep. um, getting a licence is probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, I'm happy to start a battle for it, but it'll take a long time to get that across the line. Um, so this is, I guess, the next best thing is to say, okay, well then maybe we need to look at making sure everyone is qualified to at least a certificate to the certificate three level. Yes. Um, apprentices coming through, that's easy enough to do. Make sure they do the, the apprenticeship, but make sure they actually stick to that apprenticeship as well, um, because in this industry. Installers are very good at saying what they earn. And I, and I often laugh, and you've probably heard it many a time, you know, we would never discuss what we earn, yet installers are very good at saying, I brought home X amount this week and X amount that week. And all these apprentices here is what is coming in. They never, ever tell them what they pay out. So from an apprentice's perspective, they look at and they go, I'm, he's earned $10,000 this week, I'm going to go and do that. So they leave their apprenticeship halfway through because someone says, oh, you're good, you know, you can... You can go out and be a contractor. Um, you can earn $10,000 a week. But then who is paying for all these other bits? So it's, it's making sure they get educated in that. Yep. Then getting the quali- the installers that have been in the industry for many, many years qualified. And as I said, that doesn't say just because you're not qualified, you're not a good installer. But we've got to, as I said, put a line in the sand that says, right, from X number of years, this is what we, we need our installers coming through and the ones that are in the industry to get their qualification. Yep. That benefits suppliers so you know that your product has been installed by qualified people the stores can actually say to their customers all of my my people are qualified installers so that those i guess what we call cowboys in the industry um are slowly weeded out i know we'll never get rid of all of them but if we can slowly start moving those ones out and having the 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 ones that genuinely love this industry and want to see it work because what those cowboys do for our industry is make us look even worse than we do now um, you know, the number of complaints that will come through and, and from, you know, people that save really hard to get their floors done and someone destroys it. it and it's the end customer that ultimately pays. Absolutely. Like at the end of the day, when they come into your house, Matt, and something's not right. And it's the professionalism of how they deal with that at the end. That's and that's, that's the line, you know. It, like you said, it's not so much, you know, can they lay or can they not lay. It's how they deal with the challenge if there is a problem right. or how they manage that as a professional company. Um, you know, and that's the difference. Like, you know, as I said, my son's a qualified Sparky. 
if someone rings and isn't happy with his work, he's straight back there and he takes responsibility for his installation. He doesn't blame the cable or doesn't blame the switches faulty or whatever. He's a professional installer that takes pride in his work and factors in that he has to return to a certain percentage of jobs because not every job is going to be perfect. Um, And that's a difference that I notice in the the qualified trades and licensed Mm -hmm. trades um, or certificate trades is they've gone through that process and they take pride in in knowing that they're satisfying the end client. That's right. And and at the end of the day, that end client is is what sells. Yes. And 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 the word of mouth that goes around with that. And and I guess, you know, I've I over the last sort of five or so years have grown to love this industry. And it is an amazing industry with some phenomenal people in it. One hundred percent. and you know, it's sad that you listen to, you know, we had some complaints come through where you've had people that have they've saved for their floors and then there's this fight between who's paying to fix the floor because it wasn't installed properly and it's no one's fault apparently. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't set our industry in good light and that, that's really sad because it's a great industry to be in. Um, so if we can get our qualifieds and in New South Wales and every state again is different. In New South Wales they have a an, an RPL, so Recognition of Prior Learning Program, yep. where the government fund that particular program. So if you've been in the industry for two years, they say I think it needs to be more because your, your qualification is a four-year qualification. So if you said you've been in the industry for two years, I'd argue you really don't know a great deal yeah. um, to be RPL'd in. So, um, and, and New South Wales fund that, that particular RPL program for free to get qualified people, sorry, to get non-qualified installers qualified. As I said, every state's different. So again, every state has different rules and every state offers different options. But um, the other thing is changing the attitudes of some of the installers you know I've met a number of installers over the last number of a couple of years that have said you know if I get an apprentice they'll take my work like really we work in an industry that is constantly busy yeah um, and it looks like it's going to be constantly busy all the time if you train and if you have an apprentice they can then start taking on some of those other jobs and you can set your business up so it, it's just changing some people's mindsets on the value of an apprenticeship it's not just a laborer's job it's not you're there to teach them and you're there to teach them the, the trade so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of challenges that <laughs> yeah. you're facing um one obviously state legislation um getting funding and you know encouraging that uh two obviously bringing new apprentices in uh then keeping the apprentices as apprentices and then ultimately changing that 90% of installers that are already out there's mindset to also become qualified yes. and then encourage apprentices that they do bring on to stay as apprentices and not drop the apprenticeship just and go after the cash. And, and that's, that is it. So whilst, you know, it's a great earning trade, the fact that it's a great earning trade actually also is a problem because, you know, they see the fact, the apprentices see the fact that you've got sort of non-qualified, I suppose, earning the amount of money. And as I said, that doesn't mean they're not good. Um, it's just as an apprentice with two or three years' experience, you will never be as good as someone who's been in the industry for 30-odd years. So they, they don't seem to balance that. And also to, to try and get people to take on a trade is, is getting more difficult, young people. And then to to get them to want to work is another problem. Mm. Um, you know, you've probably heard that, you know, how many – if I look at some of the retails, the number of retail stores that I've had that have tried – apprentices um and they've had lasted three weeks because it's you know they left because it's too hard um or i have to get up early or you know there's a multitude of excuses so it, it's it's trying to you know get 
the schools to say this is a great trade to get into. It's getting the career teachers to say this is a valuable trade. It's getting the young people to go, I want to be a tradie. Um, because not everyone can go to university. Um, we will always need someone to lay our floors. We will always need someone to fix our toilets. Yeah. Um, if, if that's the case, though, then why wouldn't it be a licensed trade? Like, so obviously you've got the three main where you have to have a license to, yep. to, to be what they are, to be a tradesman. Why are there licensed trades? And then why are there stuff which, because essentially what you're saying is that there's no tradesmen in the flooring industry. You're all just labourers at the moment. Is that is that was that what I'm hearing? No, I think look I think there's this this emphasis put on a qualification. Um, I guess if you look at people look at a licensed traders because that is a I suppose a real trade because there's a license associated with it. But there's plenty of other trades and that are not licensed that you still need an amount of education to be able to do that. Um, it's just I guess people's value on what is, you know, as I said before, everyone assumes anyone can lay a floor. Um, the fact that you've got, you know, home, the do, the do it, you, you know, the DIY, DIY shorts, DIY you know, everyone, can lay, a, everyone sure. can lay a floor, which, you know, we all know that to lay a floor requires an amount of preparation in certain things. There's an amount of knowledge that you need to have yep. prior to putting down any floor. Um, and, and that's what's missing. So It's like painting. You know, anyone can paint, but I could but tell I you, you come to my be. house and you can clearly see that as much as I can get paint on a wall, you can see lines, you That's can right. see all there's the putty mark. There is an art. And there's an art to laying a floor. And, and you know, you we've all seen good floors and bad floors that have been laid. Yeah. Um, and the floor can make a room or break a room. Oh, 100%. You know, the way that the, the floor performs, you know, and I, I know I have this discussion regularly. Um, you know, we're, we're changing our guidelines regularly, you know, and as I guess mechanics are changing the way that engines are done, you know, they don't have carburetors anymore. So there's Technology's changing. technology changes all the time. And in the flooring industry where, you know, um, having different clicking systems or water resistant products or, you know, so there is different and, ways. And, and, and when you're bringing, you know, you talk about water resistant products um, and I'm going back, I suppose, many years from what I've been told, I wasn't around in the industry at that time, just to clarify. You know, the the, the, the the adhesives that we used then were far more toxic than what's being used now, but because they've become, I guess, more water-based, then how you install them and how you you manage them needs to be different. Correct. And there's a learning process in all of that. And you're right. Like There are different components. So if you're using glues, then they're a water-based product. Now, some of our timbers don't like water. So therefore, using the right amount of um, glue, use you know the right humidities, temperatures, expansion gaps, or there's there's a lot that there a is. DIY person cannot know. No, that's right. And you you know you talk about you know expansion gaps. You talk about um, even letting your your product acclimatize into a room. Many people don't do that, um, and many people don't know to do that. Many people don't read the manufacturer's instructions. Many people don't, you know, if you look at all the, the products, there are always something that tells you how you should be doing it. Now, yeah. I ask how many people actually read those products. Oh, very, very few from what I can see. Yeah. Um, again, I can't factually quote, but just from what I can see, very few read them and very few want to read them That's is true. what I would what I would say. Yep. Um, because if they do read them, then they're obligated to follow them. Um, the amount of times I turn up to site, 
don't get me wrong, I'm not rubbishing no. installers, right? Um, it's an industry issue, not an individual um, installer issue that we're facing here. Um, because there are a lot of good installers out there. There are and an there's amazing a, amount of good installers. A lot of good professional ones that have all the tools, but there is a bigger number of ones. The amount of times I go to site and say, oh, can I just see a moisture meter? <laughs> and they look at me like, what's a moisture meter? Like, and then what do I do with it? What Yeah, what do I do with it? What am I measuring? Um, and then if I do measure and the slab is wet, then I'm going to lose a day's pay. That's right. So if I don't measure the moisture, then I can lay and it's not my responsibility. That's it. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges, I guess, that the industry faces is. is burying the head in the sand and not wanting to know or not acknowledging that temperature, humidity, um, all, plays a part. all plays a part. You know, and it doesn't matter whether we've got these water-resistant products or, you know, how great the products are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the fact that the installation process is exactly the same. It is. Floors need to be level. <laughs> and, you know, like the prep, again, we talk about painting. If you don't prep that wall and you've got lumps and bumps and you haven't sanded the party and it's the same as the floor, Absolutely. if you've got dips and humps and you're not grinding or leveling and you just lay over and go, oh, but this is, you know, this is a 12 mil product and it's got a stronger click and, you know, it's you, Butte. At the end of the day, if the prep isn't done, then doesn't matter how great the floor is, it will fail. And we have, look, so I'm very, very fortunate. We have, we run charity workshops um, where we can bring the, the young boys and girls into, young men and women, I should say, to come and, and learn and, and some of our members um, are there to help with that. So I've got, you know, Artex and Mepay, who are always at one of our workshops there and they give us some of their people that actually show them the product. They teach them how to you know, look at where you read your instructions, how you measure it out, how you mix it, how you do everything. So they're, they're, they're very keen on making sure that um, they're part of that learning process and, and I'm very, very grateful that they're part of that process too because um, for a lot of these students, they don't sometimes get that on the job. So it means they can take that back to their businesses and, okay, they may not be able to, as an apprentice, tell their employer what to do, but if they do go out on their own, they at least then know the correct way of doing something, um, which is a start. So the other thing you said that um, the FCIA um, has got suppliers, has got the retailers. Yep. The other thing, um, again, um, a lot. I think a lot of the times the installers are actually set up to fail. Because they're not the ones quoting the jobs. Mm -hmm. And this is also another um, thing within our industry that I've noticed. So most tile places yep. will sell the tiles and then the tiler goes out and quotes the installation. Um, so he's already going out, he's pricing in his prep, he's, you know, all his trims and his niches and, and that's all factored in. What you have in our flooring industry is the salesmen are the ones out there using the installation and trying to, I guess, cut corners yep. on not quoting for prep, not um, allowing for trims yep. to keep their price down so they can get the sale. With the retailers, I guess, that are part of the FCAA, mm -hmm. is that an area that's been looked at as maybe part of the problem or an area that needs to be improved that the jobs are actually quoted correctly. So when the installer does turn up, he's not having to try and get an extra couple of thousand dollars out of the customer because he's identified when he's pulled the carpet up. Well, hey, you know, we need 
$2,000 worth of floor prep here. And then he's put in a position where the customer's already got an expectation of a X amount of dollars for the total job. And now he's, you know, at, at the forefront of discussing something that hasn't even been discussed with the end client. It is. It's certainly um, something that we are aware of. And it is certainly something that is on the ever-growing list of areas to improve on within this industry. Um, I guess where you've got um, stores that actually are from a flooring background... There is, it's, it's different because they understand what is part of that process. Yep. It's then trying to educate those that I guess are coming into the industry that that don't that don't come from a flooring or an installation background. That that is an important part of it. Um, and I think the trainers that I've got that are out there are part of that process. So and I'm, what I'm hoping to be able to do is educate the you know bring the, the education to to both the apprentice and the and the employer that yep. there's an amount of of um, that everyone's responsible for everything. So, you know, as an apprentice, they can't go out and quote. But as an employer, you can. And you should be aware of what you should be quoting for. Now, whilst you may not be able to necessarily give the actual figure, there needs to at least be a conversation to have that says if there needs to be a floor prep done, it's going to be X amount of money so that the customer then kind of doesn't have a heart attack when they get told that there's another $2,000 on top of their, you know, $20,000 floor that they already have to pay for. Yeah. Um, and there's an amount of, there is a, you know, an amount of training that we're looking at implementing over the next year or so as well to, to bring that on board. So, yes, the, the retailers are aware of that, um, or at least at the ones that come to the, the table. Yep. Yeah, because I find, you know, we spoke to Bobby Lend last, last yep. um, fortnight. And, you know, again, there's a lot of retailers out there that really do talk about prep first. Yep. Uh, but then they're facing stores that don't even mention that. So, um, you know, Bobby based his whole business on correct insulation and he, he really pushes... And that's what we want. In yeah, he really pushes that professionalism um, and finds that he does really well out of that. Um, so I guess that's also another sort of form of the training is to also educate the people who are quoting. That's right. And, and, you know, there is within the qualification, which which doesn't necessarily help. Well, it, it can help because if you have got your on um, – sorry, I'll start that again. There is a unit of competency within the qualification that is on estimating and quoting. Yep. Um, and if you can – which I know the apprentices generally don't do – no store will send out an apprentice to do that. But if you can do that unit with the employer and the apprentice together, for those employers that are not aware of that process, it does actually help them as well. Um, it's just making it's trying to get them to sit together and do that, um, which is the next key thing we have to do. So, what does the next year look like for the FCIA? A pretty busy year, actually, um, which is ex- incredibly exciting. So, we just had our gala ball back in March, and that was the first time we've actually been able to get the whole industry together in the one spot, and that was very exciting. Um, yep. I think we've all, you know, we've we've all recognised that there is a, a massive problem in this industry now. And, you know, I, if I quote um, our, the chair of our board who actually said 35 years ago the biggest problem with new talk to installers was the lack of skilled installers, 35 years down the track, we are still in that position. Mm. Um, we cannot go another 35 years and not do anything about it. We can't go another five years without doing something about it. We won't have people in this trade. Um, there's an amount of people that are, you know, about to retire or, or or leave the industry and we don't have people coming through. So educating um, 
from my perspective, I suppose, educating the schools, educating educating the teachers, educating people that this is an amazing trade to get into. Um, as I said, it's got lots of different career options. Um, you can actually you, you you walk out of a room when you've laid a floor and you can go, wow. Um, there's not a lot of trades, I guess, that you can do that where you you know other than you know building a house, but yeah. It's visual. It is visual, and it and it's instantaneous. You walk into a house sometimes, or you walk into a floor that is, you know, twenty years, thirty years old, and go, "Oh my goodness!" And you can walk away and go, "Wow!" And 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 that is fantastic. Um, yeah, my wife thinks I'm a sicko because everywhere <laughs> we go, I'm forever looking at the floors. <laughs> but but you're right. Like we we're at my my son's house um, yesterday having Easter, mm. and my mum. Now, once her floor's done, by seeing what um, yeah. we laid in, in my son's house, you know, she didn't sort of walk around and, and as much as my son, because he's a spark, he was so proud about his light switches. <laughs> but you don't. She didn't walk around and go, oh, I want those light switches. Well, and that's, that's the thing, though. You don't. And you no. don't look at the drains or the pipes and go, what a great pipe. What a, you know, it, the floors are so visual. And as I said, they make or break a room. And, yeah. um, and I guess... There is so much that you can do and there's so many different products now that you can install that give you so many different options and so many different looks. Um, it's yep. pretty amazing. and But it's learning that skill and that's behind it to be able to do it properly so that you know when you come through the ranks, you are um, you know, hand on heart. You can say, yes, I've learned my training. I think you've touched on it there that there is so many different flooring products, but we all have different installation guides. Yes. And do. that's the other thing that, you know, installers all assume that they're installed exactly the same way, but they're so they're not. You know, different products need bigger expansion gaps or more acclimatization or better floor leveling. Yeah. Like vinyl needs to be basically dead, dead level, you know, less than two millimeter, you know, variation. Where some other products can go up to four millimeter. But if it, you but don't know that Exactly. How do you install it correctly then? Exactly. And then anything over four mil needs to be leveled. So, you know, there's so many different aspects of, um, I guess, knowing uh, the installation guides, reading the different products, um, which again is also another form of professionalism and it having is. the right tools. That's right. And, and, and you know, it, I look at it going, you wouldn't, you when you take your car to a mechanic, you expect the mechanic to do a good job. Yes, well, why is it that when you have your floors done, you shouldn't expect your installer to do a good job either? Yeah. Because you should be. Oh, exactly. You know, um, if, you're, if you're an installer, regardless of you know whether you hold the qualification or not, if you're claiming to be an installer, then you should be reading your manufacturer's instructions. You should be um, wanting to do your floor prep properly. You should be knowing as much as you can about that, this industry and, and what works and what doesn't work. We have um, a couple of installers who do ring, and I do most of the technical questions for Clever, um, and there's a very few that actually ring me and question the guides. Yeah. And I actually enjoy when they do ring me because, one, I know they've read it. <laughs> Which is a start. You know what I mean? Like if, if they're reading it and ringing me and saying, hey, you know, in section you know 2.3, you've mentioned this. And I'm just making sure that if I do this and I'm in this sort of shape room, will that work? But so, that's good because it shows that they're actually – thinking about their job, thinking about, you know, how, how what can and what can't work. Correct. And they've bothered to call you to say, Yeah. And if I'll, I'll I did spend this, will this will this actually work? That's right. And will it perform? You know, ultimately and 
you know, each time that we've had those conversations, we've come up with a solution that's worked in that, um, I guess, environment. Um, because, again, we are talking about thousands of different environments. Absolutely. You know, we've got the East Coast, yep. we've got the West Coast. Completely different, you know, sunsets yep. and sunrises, um, east-facing homes to west-facing homes. You've got homes in the bottom of valleys that are really damp and moist compared to homes on top of hills, which are really dry and, you know, sunny. And if you don't know all of those conditions and what does and what doesn't work, how can you install a floor correctly? It, exactly. And that, that's sort of, I guess, a lot of the discussions and um, big bears a lot of us suppliers have is that, you know, we, we get some people sort of say, oh, well, you've sold me a product that's not suitable for my area. And it's like, hang on a second. Every area has different climates, yep. you know, and it's not well. It's not that it's not my job to know every climate, but it is your job to Absolutely. know the climate that you're installing in. That's right. And for you to be naive and just say, "Oh, well, you've sold me a product that doesn't work." Well, no, the product will work if, if you installed. if it's installed correctly, and also the customer has you know a certain liability to also realise that hey, they've got a west facing window. It's the size of their whole back area. It needs to be tinted or it needs to have window right. coverings or, you know, there's so many elements, not only we talk about the installers, mm -hmm. but then also, you know, the post installation of how to maintain it That's properly right. and what advice that you're giving, you know, while you're out there and you notice that there's no window coverings. Yep. Well, hey, you know, like most of the stores sell window coverings. Hey, we suggest right. that you should you know, get some blinds on this back it's, window. It's, it's that sort of knowledge. You know, I've got a number of, obviously, friends over the years that I've made in this industry who um, love the industry, are, are qualified tradies um, in this industry, and some own stores, and they will actually talk to their clients and say, okay, you know, your, your window's facing this. You've got to do this. If you, if you did this, you know, you do this. If you, and, and some will say, I don't care, I want that. And they're like, well, if you do that, then... This is what you could be up for. Yep. Um, but it's it's making sure those people actually have those skills and knowledge to be able to say to the client, um, that's really not the best product for this reason. Or if you did this, you really should be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and if you still choose to get on that path, then this is the consequences. Right. And some people, like we spoke to um, Stephen and that about insurance, if you educate people and then they still make their decision... And it's like, okay, if there is a problem, we can come out and fix that's it or we can do this. Then people at least educate and made that decision. But not to have the discussion at all. Then and that's then not good on our industry's part. 100%. And that's where then a client's like, oh, you know, I've got all this sun-damaged floor. And, you know, first response is, oh, the product's faulty. Well, no, you should have been educated enough to know that you've got west-facing windows and that afternoon sun is cooking your floor and you're not putting the blinds down because you want to look at, you know, view. the ocean view. Right. Well, there was other options. You know, you could have tinted the windows or, you know, you There's could have variety. had all that. That's right. So I'm under no illusion that um, none of this is going to be an easy fix and I'll probably argue that it's not going to get resolved in my lifetime, all of it. But I just, I do believe that if we don't make a start now and we don't start the conversation and start doing something we're going to get to a point where um, it's, it's too late. It's, it's going to be very difficult to, to bring it back on track, um, which is a shame because, it, as I said, we keep saying it is a great industry to be in. Oh, everyone's um, so passionate <laughs> in the industry, as you've <laughs> oh, heard, Matt. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you know, I, yeah. um, I had a conversation when I was at my previous role when I was given flooring and it literally um, 
and this person, if, he's, if he does listen, will actually have a chuckle, because he said to me, Fee, if you last two years in this industry, it'll have you for life. Yep. And I said to him, I won't last two years and it will never have me for life. And he does now laugh at me going, do you remember that conversation? <laughs> I do remember that conversation and the irony is the role that you're doing means you're actually living this industry. And, and I love it. I do love it. But um, it does have a lot of work. It does need a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and it needs to so it can be a surviving industry. It is, it is a brilliant industry. It just needs people to come together and, and um, you know, start heading down the same pathway. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, I tried to get out about 11 years ago. So I was retailing uh, for five years in Sydney and then just had enough and then moved my whole family. We were having this discussion this morning. Yep. Moved my whole family to Queensland. I'm like, getting out of flooring. <laughs> and it's uh, actually back in. Oh, I think I was out maybe eight months and then, you know, I've come back in and it was good. It was a break that I sort of needed, you know, just to sort of like step out. And then since I've come back in, you know, I've come back in so passionate. I'm 11 yep. years now back in and I'm more passionate now than what I was back then. I think you can see that there is so much to give in this industry. Um, and it's, and it's, as I keep saying, it's brilliant. Yeah. It just needs, it just needs a bit of work to, to get it moving. And, and for me, you know, I love, um, I love working with apprentices. I really do. And I have... I met some amazing young people in this in in this since I've been doing um, flooring, and you know, for me, I guess for a lot of the students that come through, they've tried their hand at a number of things, or you know, they didn't succeed at university, um, and they try this, and and you know, I've <laughs> I used to be at enrolment sessions where I'd walk out going, oh my goodness, how are we going to do a week of this, let alone <laughs> four years? Yeah, and then we're starting to see the graduations come through, and these young men and women have grown into to amazing tradespeople. And for some of them, it's given them a pathway or a career opportunity that they would never have had. Um, and I love that fact that this industry can do that, um, and you know they can end up, um, you know, uh, doing whatever they want to, yeah, um, because they have a trade behind them. And for some of them, that'll be staying on wages, which is absolutely perfect. For some of them, it'll be owning their own business. Some. Some will go into retailing, some will go into supplying, but the opportunities that it presents them um, are phenomenal. And I like to bring in people um, where we can, you know, as I said before, we have um, Mape and, and Ardex come along to some of our workshops um, where they can actually talk to some of these people and you meet some of these people who've started as an apprentice. And I, at, you know, as I said at my, my gala ball the other, the other month, that... There's absolutely nothing stopping these apprentices from getting to any of these positions that, that were in that room. And I've got had quite senior positions in that room. They all have that opportunity because a lot of those people started as an apprentice. Yeah. But they finished their trade, they did what they needed to do, and and then they can climb a ladder if they if that's what they wish to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, We've spoken about the couple of tiers of um, I guess our industry, which is the apprentices, which is the installers. But say the retailers, um, as I said, they're an important factor of um, a lot of this as well and quoting it right and also having, I guess if they're the ones quoting, they also need to have the same understanding and knowledge nearly as the installers um, okay. because if they're going to go out and quote um, floor prep, um, expansion gaps, um, what sort of training and education is available, I guess, for the retailers um, to upskill and get to that, I guess, same knowledge? 
So we are pulling together a group of, I guess, of programs, short courses that will educate um, customer-facing people on not necessarily obviously doing an apprenticeship because that's just near on impossible for anyone working in a store to be able to do that. Yep. But at least know the, the nuances of floor prep, the, 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 the intricate details of particular products. So we are looking at um, or we are working on some of those programs that is available to anyone that's customer facing yep. that can learn to do that. Um, so they will be released over the next little while and um, hopefully people will take them on board as a learning product. I think what I would love to see in this industry is people embrace learning. Yeah. Um, I find um, it's probably there are pockets of people that love the idea of learning, like, you know, someone that will sit and read the, the, the manual and, and ask questions. And I've got a friend who, who does do that and he will test, test things and he will check things and if there's a problem he will let you know that. Yeah. Um, but that's not the norm in a lot of instances. So if we can bring people along for the, the learning journey, I guess, um, then hopefully that can change the industry. So it's not just educating apprentices or installers, it's educating the community, I guess. Yeah, the um, whole whole industry. Yeah. And that's one yeah. thing, like at Clever, we um, we had Randy on here from um, ADFA. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think they do really well do. Um, is their training and education. Yep. Um, you know, they've got their monthly webinars. Yep. Uh, they've got their online courses. Um, and I encourage all our staff, you know, from a lot of our admin staff, mm-hmm. even some of our warehouse staff will just jump on some of the webinars. Well, it just gives you an understanding of, of, of the product and, and, and how you should be doing things. And whether you're doing it or whether you're, you're talking to a customer about it, you should still have that under, that background knowledge yeah. of, of what you're talking about. Oh, 100%. And, you know, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're in the industry and there is training um, organisations or webinars um, or, you know, the Flooring Magazines, yeah. another business partner yeah. of ours, there's so much information out there um, that it's one of the reasons, I guess, for Clever's, you know, success. Um, we're only a small team and, you know, we're relatively a small player within the industry yeah. compared to some of the big boys. But we really make sure that all our staff are educated. Which is great. Um, and then, you know, continuing to educate and then try and pass that knowledge on to then our retailers. So some of the times I think we're sort of, trainers ourselves yep. as much as we're a supplier um and we don't talk a lot about our products on mm-hmm. on this podcast because I, I think there's more to our industry than just the products there is there is you need to and, and i guess you know i've lived training my basically my whole working life um even when i first started um my career has was in a training space uh, and i think training provides you a knowledge and if you're if you're giving people a knowledge then that can only help them. And if we can help this industry, then that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's no doubt that the FCIA has got the future of the flooring industry in mind. It has. And any support that, I guess, the industry can give back to FCIA is, is important as well. I think that's a really good spot to leave it. I think we've spoken at length, unless, Michael, you've got something to add. No, I think we'll save it for uh, another another time, another episode. <laughs> Look, I think we could talk. We could talk for we could hours. talk for hours on this, but I think we've taken enough of Fiona's time. She's a busy lady, Thank you. no doubt. But uh, really enjoyed chatting and learn. And I guess we need to learn more about the opportunities within the industry and Absolutely. how we can convert 
labourers into tradesmen. Absolutely. And, and you know, labourers, everyone, they're helpful, but, but sometimes it also frustrates me that um, people are just seen as a labourer and no one wants to give the time to teach some of these people. And some of these you know, so-called labourers could become amazing tradespeople yep. if they were given an opportunity um, by an installer or by a retailer to, to learn. Um, and then bring along, as I said, the, the the these the supervisors, the retailers on that learning journey. And I often say, you know, this apprenticeship, what it's a four year, but it's a learning pathway. It's a learning journey for both the employer and the supervisor and the um, the apprentice. We all need to be doing that together to get them to their end goal. And finally, just tell us some of the positive things that um, you've seen. You know, the FCA is only five years. Five, six years, six years now. What are the positive things that, you know, has been accomplished over those last six years? Well, we've got um, our member growth has has grown, which has been fantastic. We've created an RTO, so a registered training organisation. So FCIA has FCIA and then the Training Academy. At the moment, that operates in New South Wales, Tasmania and Victoria. Sorry, New South Wales, Tasmania and the ACT. Um, we're sitting on um, 160 apprentices, roughly, um, which is brilliant. Um, we managed to get the gala up and running, which was f- a fantastic focal point. Um, we have got um, a variety of socials now happening. So there's, um, we're getting into the schools. Uh, we're getting, we're working closely with um, state bodies now to to try and attract people to this trade, which is is you know fantastic. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's amazing and, you know, I'm really proud to have the FCIA mm-hmm. sort of leading that charge, I guess, um, in the training um, organisation space and it's something obviously I know all suppliers, re- everyone within our industry, you know, wants to see succeed. Um, so how can people um, become a part or help um, educate um, our industry and push, push it forward? Well, for suppliers, manufacturers, becoming a member is is crucial to be able to do that because, as you said, um, it's all very well and good having products, but if you don't have installers down to be able to lay them, then your product doesn't get put down or it gets put down incorrectly. Um, for in- retailers or installers, you know, contractors, take on an apprentice, um, but take them on to teach them. Don't take them on just to do the labouring jobs. Um, take them on, teach them. Let go of some of that knowledge because you're 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 actually training the next generation, which is quite exciting, really. Yeah, it is. Can I, okay, w- sorry. <laughs> There's so much to ask, but I've got one last question uh, because I'm so passionate about this, and I've been waiting a long time to speak to you, Fiona. <laughs> Can a store take on an apprentice if they're not a qualified tradesman? The answer is yes. The the the. If in certain states they, they they will be very very tight on if you're not qualified you can't have an apprentice yep and in other states are a bit more lenient um, namely because in a lot of areas if you don't if you if you put that rule across our industry as you said 80 90 percent are not qualified yep. if you, we would never have apprentices yes so how would we ever get our industry trained yeah um, so in short the answer is yes is that ideal no? Um, hence why if the installers that have been in the industry for a long period of time actually got RPL'd, then yes. that would make them qualified. Um, and as I said, 
that doesn't mean they're not any good. It just means that line in the sand is drawn to say that we have then got. And we do have a number of stores now that are actually getting all of their quali- their installers upheld. That's great. they can then turn around and say, we're qualified. And that's a selling feature. It you is. know, for the stores, you know, again, we just talk about Bobby just because he was there. For, for them to then go and on-sell that, hey, all our installers are yep. qualified, that sets them a level above, you know, the competitors who aren't, you know, sort of qualified. So, yeah, I and strongly encourage everyone out there uh, to get in contact with Thank the you. owner and Thank the FCIA you. group and um, really, really get um, your installers and your retailers and anyone more educated than what they are. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for allowing me to, to be here. It's been an absolute pleasure. All the details for Fiona and the FCIA will be in the show notes, so check out that. And so, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's yeah, been thanks, amazing, yeah. and I know you were nervous at the start, but you ended up crushing it, <laughs> as we as we said you would. Uh, Michael, well done. You thanks, finally mate. you came out of your shell, and then I wish you went back in. Oh, mate, that that was the best <laughs> cup of tea I've had. You're welcome. So it uh, definitely got me peppered up. Absolutely. <laughs> and and thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Underlay. I'm sure we'll have Fiona on again. Um, Michael's only just scratched the surface. Uh, and we will see you on the line. Bye for now. Bye. listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, follow us on all good podcast platforms.